Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis. We're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday at noon, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. to another edition of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Gene Jackson, and I'm very excited today to be joined by the one and only Davey Rich. Mr. Rich, how you doing today? Man, I'm doing great, Gene. I, I tell you what, I've admired all your work from afar and uh, and uh, excited to be here, excited to, to talk a little old school wrestling. Uh, I'm living in Lafayette, Louisiana. Oh, and okay. uh they it's, it was a hotbed back in the day with mid south and uh i actually wrestled me and a, a buddy of mine from uh, memphis uh when wcw was going strong uh me and him wrestled uh, the hollywood blondes stone cold and uh brian pillman here in the cajun dome so uh i got a lot of fond memories of this area Awesome. Well, we're, uh, you know, we've got the uh, Retro Wrestling Network uh, over on YouTube, and we're going to be putting up some matches of yours uh, over the next week or so. We've got a few on there now. We're going to be putting up stuff from uh, Continental, USA, Memphis, WCW, WWF, uh, the whole gamut. So, uh, All right. I think you mentioned everything. You know, you know, the one thing I, I haven't ever tried to research I did a run even down in Puerto Rico is uh, Eddie Gilbert got me down there. And unfortunately, Eddie passed before I made it. Right. And so Ken Wayne took over the book and uh, I went and I would say I made it 10 weeks or so. But man, you know, first time ever working as a heel and uh and they were really, they were pushing the daylights out of me. And, uh, man, it just, there just wasn't much to do down there. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody thinks Puerto Rico and I, I was making good money, you know, actually even a little more than they guaranteed me. And, uh, but man, I, I, I think I might've made it 10, 12 weeks and, and, uh, I, uh, snuck back. <laughs> I didn't even tell poor Ken Wayne, I was leaving. I was gone. I'm going to do some research on that and see if there's any footage. I'd love to see some of that. You know, uh, Puerto Rico was kind of a bizarro world down there where, you know, guys like, you know, Wendell Cooley and Frankie Lancaster, who was beloved up here, you know, they went down there and had a good heel run as the heartbreakers. So kind of strange to see some of you guys that were beloved uh, in my neck of the woods to go down there and be heels. Well, my, my whole understanding was that, you know, you know, that I was coming for a year in the first six months, I'd be a heel, and then they'd do some sort of deal, and they were going to try to bring Tommy in and, you know, switch me baby face. Because, I mean, I tell you, I grew up in Memphis, and, you know, I don't know how much. Uh, where, where did you grow up at, Gene? 
I grew up in Aberdeen, Mississippi, uh, right, right smack dab between Tupelo and Columbus. I know exactly where it is. So you probably call, you know, mid south. I mean, not mid south. You probably, you might even call mid south, but I'm, I'm sure you probably call continental slash southeastern and and maybe even the outskirts of Memphis. Yeah. See, we had uh, we had WMC. So we got Memphis and we got Continental on uh, WCBI out of Columbus. I didn't right. get Mid South. I didn't get to see that until I started tape trading years later, which I kept up with it through the magazines. Uh, and so that was one of the things I was going to ask you about is, you know, uh, I knew you as David Haskins from Memphis TV. Right. And then lo and behold, turns out you're, you're uh, Johnny and Tommy's cousin. And all of a sudden, Davey Rich shows up in Continental. Well, I'm I, like, he looks I tell you what, I, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a quick, quick background. So I started in Memphis, my very first match. Well, I'm even going to back up. I was playing football for Memphis State. And this is kind of funny. A guy named Mike Stark. Uh, Mike was the very first humongous. He's a big All-American offensive lineman for Memphis State. And, um, man, he could move. He was really good. And, of course, he was working against Lawler. And Lawler can make anybody look good. So, right. Vince, now this is just hearsay. I heard that he's the very, one of the first guys that Vince tried to give a big contract to. But his his dad was a doctor. He uh, he was a football coach, great football coach, legendary. Uh, was coaching at Christian Brothers till just a year or two ago. I think he's retired now. But he basically turned him down, and he came out to a practice, and I knew that he had been in the business. And uh, so, man, I went, and he goes, I said, man, you know, I had the mullet. I could see that I was never going to play much. I was an option quarterback, and I was probably 210, you know, and and uh, he looks at me and goes, man, you, you got the look to you. I said, I've watched it my whole life. I lived in a little town called Senatobia, Mississippi. Oh, and my, my stepfather was a, 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 a carpenter. And he had um, built me a ring in the backyard. And all my buddies and anybody that's 60 years old knows about that ring. We'd get out there and kill each other. So wonder somebody didn't die out there. I mean, we were hitting each other with chains and chairs and I mean, you know, it, it was no work to it at all. It was all <laughs> it, it, we were we were shoot wrestling before they had uh, phones to put it on the internet. But uh, so he told me, he goes, man, here's what you do: go down to the Mid South Coliseum. When you pull in, you're going to see a gate. That's where all the wrestlers park. Now, if you stop, they're not going to let you in. But if you'll just wave, go park. <laughs> Walk right in the back like you know what you're doing. Take the first right and then the next right, and Lawler's office is right there. I knew no better. <laughs> I pull in. I wave at these guys. They all wave. It's 20 policemen standing there. They all wave. I park. I walk in the back, and I walk in there, and Lawler looks at me and goes, what in the hell? Who are you? And I told him, and he dies laughing. And so I kind of told him my story and he's, man, he's a, he's a big football fan. He's a, he, he loves sports and yeah. we, we just clicked just like that. I mean, it, he, it, we just had a, uh, I don't know. We just you know got along great. So 
first he called Coco Ware over there, and Coco gave me his feel. And but he wanted to train me, but he could only train me on Mondays because he was on, you know, doing the Memphis Blues. Yeah. And then then he brought in the Dream Machine, Troy Graham, and Troy threw his little spill on me. And then he brought in Cowboy Don Bass. Now, Donnie had a place set up over in West Memphis. He trained a lot of people. Uh, uh, a guy named Michael Lee, I don't know if you remember him or not, but if, you, if you're a strong historian, he, he played football with me on the 1982 National Championship team at Northwest Mississippi Junior College. He's a barber over there now. He's got his own little barber shop on Town Square. But man, he was a good-looking dude, and his very—he—he he got trained by Donnie, and his very Jerry Jarrett fell in love with him, put him uh, with Paul Diamond, put the belts on him within his first week, and about a month later, his wife goes, "Either you're quitting or I'm gone," and so he quit. And I mean, he—he would have really, really turned out good. So uh, Don, you know, Don, so Donnie trained a ton of guys. He was really good. Uh, Blade Boudreaux is another guy who uh, had a good little run over there with Randy Hales and them when it was Power Pro. And he actually, Blade lives about 50 miles from me now. I talk to him all the time. He Harley Race did a territory and actually had Blade as his top baby face. And I thought that I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, so so I get I, I I'm riding around the loop with Roger Smith, who was Dirty Roads or, you know, a million different gimmicks. <laughs> yeah. And, and Donnie. And we we go to Louisville, and Lawler had flown from Memphis to Louisville, and they lost his bag. Well, the first thing Donnie told me was always bring your stuff. Well, me and Jerry Lawler, there couldn't be two pounds difference. I mean, we're exact same size. And I said, I heard him and he was mad, boy. And I said, excuse me. I said, man. And I showed him my stuff. I said, I got brand new boots, never been worn. I got tights. Because when I first started, I wore it exact like him, man. I mean, I I even had an elbow pad on my right arm, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) He goes, I can't wear this stuff. You've never even wore it. I can't wear it first. He goes, I said, you're the main event up here tonight. What are you going to do? And he goes, I guess you're right. So he did it, and he was booking. He goes, be at Memphis TV Saturday. And I, I was there, and uh, he, he put me and a guy named Johnny Wilhoyt, who is one of the new generations with the one of the Batten twins. Right. And, and we wrestled against Iron Mike Sharp and Eddie Hot Stuff Gilbert. And Jimmy Hart was the manager. And, man, First match ever, because you know nobody even asked me if I'd ever worked before or nothing. <laughs> and you know Donnie had trained me, but Donnie didn't even smarten you up. Right. I mean, you know, I, hell, I when I walked in there, I see Jimmy Hart and Jerry Lawler in the same room. I'm like, what in the hell's going on here? I mean, I'm telling you, I was as big a mark, you know, as you could possibly imagine. So, uh, you know. Eddie and them kind of say, okay, here's what we're going to do, you know, and, you know, they were going to beat me, of course, because, you know, Johnny was, he was kind of a mid-card guy, looked real good, and um, and so, man, I got out there, and again, never had done anything. I'm sure I was pretty snug, 
but I mean, you know, I'd wash it. I, man, you know, you know, I knew everything they were telling, you know, Eddie Gilbert was, you know, basically Jerry Lawler Jr. I mean, he was, you can't work with that guy. You know, you can't do it. So it went great, man. And Eddie goes, man, how many matches you had? I said, that was my first one ever. And he went crazy. He couldn't believe it. And man, he fell in love with me. He goes, man, he goes, he goes, you know, he was already talking to Bill Watts and them in Mid-South. He goes, just keep doing what you're doing. And Lawler had a deal with me. I would, I would drive to his house. I would, I would drive his car. He'd be in it. Sometimes he'd be in the backseat booking or something like that or drawing or, you know, he had a million things going, but man, I worked as many days as I wanted and he would help me with food. He'd help me with hotels. I mean, he, 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 he was the best. So, uh, sure enough, a couple, uh, that's probably a year later, Eddie calls and he goes, I'm going to, I'm going to have you be the missing links protege. And that's when he had dark journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going, missing link, dark journey. You know, I'd seen him in magazines, you know, yeah, of course, yeah. you know, I didn't, I'd never, you know, seen him. And I'm like, you know, I, I thought about it and I called, I said, man, I don't know, man. I just, I don't feel comfortable with that. And he goes, man, it's a start, you know, and I just, I turned him down. And about a, um, a month later, Bill Dundee comes in, takes the book. And at that time, Dundee hated me. He wouldn't even let me do a job on TV. And I mean, wow. you know, so and Lawler, you know, didn't really step in and stand up for me, which I didn't ask him to. I mean, you know, yeah, so yeah. Uh, I called Eddie back and Eddie goes, well, he goes, it might not be as good a deal as I had for you. Eventually, he goes, he goes, that would have been a big, big deal. And I said, well, man, I just, you know, but he put me with a guy. You know, uh, Shane Douglas put us together as a tag team. And, man, with the, our first night, we wrestled uh, Brad and uh, Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner. And, man, we we tore this place down. You know, those guys, again, oh, were yeah. so good. And, man, we were <clears> young. <throat> and Man, I mean, it was just – it was it was flying all over. And, you know – Back then, you know, the crowds, you know, got into it. So, so I can't even remember what city we were in. Maybe Tulsa. Uh, and then the next night, I don't know if you've ever seen this on uh, YouTube, but Tommy Gilbert's the referee, and it's when Terry Taylor's turning heel, and they do a deal. I'd never, you know, I'd never got juice before. Yeah. So Tommy was going to get juice for me. He's going to cut me. Mm-hmm. So Terry, you know. I, I do a couple of counter moves to make Terry mad and he pulls his knee. He does something and stops when he pulls his knee pad down and drops his bare knee on my forehead. And Tommy reaches down there. If you, if you'll look, you can see him just go from <laughs> ear to ear. Oh, and I mean, it was so bad on some of the YouTube deals. They've got me blacked out because they almost wouldn't let them play it on T. I bled so much. I mean, it was crazy. So that was, you know, you know, I got man for some reason, you know, with baby faces, the sympathy deal, man, everywhere I went after that, then they were starting to put me and Shane together every night. And we had, you know, Carl Fergie, who's uh, Lawler's cousin, honky tonk's cousin. 
he right. was kind of mentoring us and uh we would ride with him and uh uh so uh we were really doing good so we do a show in the summit in houston that's joel osteen is preaching there now right and uh <clears throat> I mean, this is a mixed card with all the NWA guys there, Dusty, you know, Steamboat, Flair, Road Warriors, and man, me and Shane wrestled against uh, Pez and Tiger Conway Jr., the opening match, and man, we get in the back, and somebody, Pee Wee Anderson, comes and says, hey, man, Dusty will see y'all in his office. I'm like, oh, man, we just <laughs> fired first night, so... They lead us up to this office, and Dusty's in a big uh, one of those uh, suites, you know, like because they put the Houston Rockets played there too, right. and he he's in this suite so you can look down and see the matches, and it's yeah. him and ZZ Top, and I mean this is when ZZ this is this is the mid eighties, ZZ Top's hot as fire, you know, and Dusty looks at us, he goes Shane and David. We gonna make y'all the next rock and roll express, baby. And so we're like, all right, you know, we're high five and we we go and so we had another little town, maybe Lake Charles, and then the big TV taping was gonna be in New Orleans. You know, they'd usually do three, four, or five tapes back in those days. Yeah. And man, they had us on every one, putting us over. So we go pulling up and in the parking lot. Rick Flair and Eddie are having a real fight out in the parking lot. Oh, Nobody's wow. out there to break them up, nothing. So we jump out of the car and we go break them up. And man, Eddie's bad boy. Flair had come in and, you know, Eddie was the Mid South Booker. So he had his little room, said, you know, <clears throat> Eddie Gilbert. And he had all this stuff in there. You know, he got there way earlier than somebody like Flair would get there. Right. And man, Flair tore a sign down, threw all this stuff out the the the, uh, the hall or whatever. And man, yeah. Eddie just man, I guess that's just too much for him. And so Eddie basically said, either you're with me or you're here. So me, Eddie, Eddie's brother Doug, Gary Young, and some other uh, poor misguided soul all left. So there, that, I, you know, I, that, that could have been my first break. Yeah, and they actually came back and got Shane probably six weeks later and put him with Steamboat, and they were like the world champs, you know, for a little while. And uh, and you know, he he, you know, I still talk to him all the time. He went on had a you know great career as the franchise with ECW, and didn't didn't quite do so good the WCW and the WWE. You know, some of those guys, and I mean, I love him. I talk to him. You know, I'll, I'll be driving down the road, and talk to him two or three hours. But you know, he's from Pittsburgh, and man, some of those those guys from up north, man, they're a little, you know, a little uh, on the, I don't know, grumpy side. And man, he just <laughs> least little thing, man, he get mad, you know. But yeah. but he's he's still he's doing good, you know. So uh, you know, God bless him. But but the thing that happened in Mid South that really helped me was meeting Brad Armstrong. Man, Brad would help Brad Brad and Tim Horner and Steen would help me and Shane. Steen actually would let us stay at his house because he knew we had no money. Yeah. And feed us. And uh but 
Brad and, and Tim would help us work out, show us how to eat, you know, show us stuff. And so I get a call when, when Mid-South gets dissolved into um, uh, WCW. One last, the, the very last night of Mid-South, they, they have a show, and, and this was the Convocation Center at Arkansas State in Jonesboro. Mm-hmm. First show ever, sold out. The main event is supposed to be like Terry Taylor against uh, Nikita Kolal. No, nah, it was it was one of the guys with with UWF who, you know, just saw the writing on the wall and didn't yeah. show up. I, I can't remember which one. So Eddie lets me wrestle against Terry Taylor in the main event for the World TV title. This is a Saturday night. The next day, they're doing one of the first pay per views. TV title versus TV title with uh, with uh, Nikita Koloff, I believe. Would that have been when DiBiase left? Nah, that was that was that was that was that was uh, way after that. Okay. DiBiase and Junkyard Dog and all them left just as I just for before I came. I and we you. had like Doctor Death against um, Big Boss Man was was the main event and Tim. Yeah. And, and uh, I can't even remember who they who who the heel team was. Oh, it was Sting and Steiner, and right. Eddie was managing them. But uh, so I go out there, and match goes 30, 40 minutes. Terry Taylor, you know, he he gets a bad rap sometimes because of the Red Rooster deal and all that. But it, when Terry Taylor wants to go, Terry Taylor to me, was right in the long lines of Shawn Michaels. I mean, because he had that look. He could do it all. He had a body. I mean, you know, again, you know, you got to be in the right place at the right time. I mean, take a guy like Stone Cold. How many different gimmicks did he have before he finally got over? Right. You know, and he was on the last one. So if that wouldn't have got <laughs> over, you know, you know, the whole business would be different. But, I mean, Terry Taylor, he made me look like I knew what I was doing. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was, you know, I was freaking out. People were going crazy. I mean, you can't imagine. This, this, this is a huge show. People are going nuts. And he has me roll him up, and Tommy Gilbert's the referee and counts to three. And I'm like, oh, my God. Tommy gets the belt, hands it to me. People are going nuts. I've done falling out of the ring and everybody's <laughs> hugging me. And I'm scared to even go back to the dressing room. And I get back here and Eddie, Eddie's got this way he'd look at you, his head kind of tilted over to the side when he's mad. He goes, what in the hell did you just do? I'm like, man, I swear, man. And Terry yelling, he, he, he shot on me. He, he hooked me. But and I mean, and Tommy Gilbert's going, what? And they were all just ganging up on me. And, and after about 30 seconds, they just started dying laughing. It was like the biggest rib ever. And so, you know, they, you know, back then there was no TV, no internet, none of that. So they just give Terry the belt and he goes and wrestles Nikita the next day. And nobody ever knew, you know, unless you were in that building that night, you know, but I mean, man, that, that was, that was a, pretty big highlight though but uh so brad told his dad about me 
So I, I go then Burt Prentice. I can't even remember what he was going as back then. Chris Love or something like that. Yeah. He he was uh, one of the guys with that WOW, and it was based out of um, Pensacola. Right. And that Jerry Stubbs was there, and uh, 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 Bad Company, Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka were there. Fred Ottman was there, um, but they put me, I was wrestling Bob Holly every night. And man, that's another guy, you know, uh, Cornette, you know, basically said, you know, called him the next Bobby Eaton. I mean, yeah. he, he was, you know, I guess he got old and grumpy too, because I haven't seen him in years. But man, back then, he was awesome, man. And we got along great. And I guess he respected me and I respected him and man, we had some great matches. Uh, but that WOW was really good. And, you know, Jerry Stubbs, man, he's another guy, you know, he really had a great career, man. I mean, you know, he had a long run, you know, he had, you know, multiple gimmicks, Yeah. you know, you know and so he, uh, I, you know, he, he was really good. And he helped me out a lot, but he goes, Hey man, Bob Armstrong was asking me about you today. I said, really? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'd never met Bob in my life. And uh, yeah. I said, well, man, do you got a number on him? And he goes, he goes, yeah. You know, back then you had a little book and yeah. phone numbers and all that. Well, before I could get it, Bob called me. He goes, Hey, we're starting a territory in Knoxville and Tommy doesn't want to move to Knoxville. You got to live in Knoxville to do this territory. And we want a baby face tag team to work against the rock and roll RPMs. And it, Johnny Rich, who I'd met Johnny when he was Roy Rogers in Memphis. You right. know, and man, he, you know, if you can't get along with Johnny Rich, <laughs> something wrong with you. I mean, he's the nicest human on earth. And he goes, how would you like to become Davey Rich? I said, I'd love to become Davey Rich. You know, <laughs> but I, I mean, I knew that, you know, it'd be, you know, we'd be in either the semi-main or the main event every night. So yeah. uh, we go up and that Continental has one last big show there. And they introduce all of us. And, uh, you know, and I guess that lasted... I mean, you might know exactly, but I don't think that lasted over nine months or a year. But man, it was a Mike Davis and Tommy Lane. Man, that, that's got to be the most underrated tag team ever. Yeah. I mean, those guys were awesome, man. I mean, we went 30 minute broadways around the loop two or three times, then 60, then 90. I mean, to. Work a ninety-minute match and people not walk yeah. out. That's that, that's tough. And I mean, again, all I was doing is listening and doing, and you know, Bullet and Ron Fuller and uh, I guess Gordon Soley is probably throwing his two cents in there. I mean, man, they they were booking angle after angle, you know, and then they, uh, you know, brought Tommy in for you know about a month and every show. And I, you know, growing up in Memphis. You know, I knew Tommy as a baby face and, you know, I mean, I knew he, but man, I, I had no idea how over Tommy Rich was. I mean, we went to West Virginia, which was kind of on the outskirts of the USA territory. 
And man, there were people showing up with these big life-size posters from the late seventies yeah. with Tommy Rich. I mean, man, he came out and you thought Elvis Presley was in the building. I mean, it, it was, it was the most awesome deal ever. And I mean, man, you know, all these guys, you know, that I, that I, you know, usually say something about, I mean, man, in the wrestling business, there's people with million dollar bodies. There's people who can talk, there's people who can wrestle, but those guys that's got it all. I mean, that it factor, man, Tommy had it, you know, and yeah. what happened, you know, I mean, all of us probably got our own opinions, but man, that, that dude was one of the best ever. And I mean, at that time he still, you know, still looked pretty good. And he was showing up, and I mean, you know, it, it, it was great. So, you know, we did that little deal, and uh, uh, Ron Fuller and and um, Bob Pope, and I don't know if Gordon owned a little bit of that, too, because I'm sure they had to do something to get him to come there. Right. Uh, but they sold back to David Woods, who owned Continental. And at that time, man, Continental had really taken a, a fall. Yeah. And Eddie was still booking. And he had probably a month book, but before we even got there, and they they ran a almost the exact same thing. Ran a, we ran a big USA show, you know, Doug Furness against uh Jerry Lawler, uh you know, all the blow-offs, you know, uh, Scott Armstrong against Nelson Royal, he beat him for the U.S. tag belts. They finally put me and Johnny over for the tag belts. I mean, all this stuff, you know, went to a, to a deal, and Continental guys were on the card. But at that time, Shane and Sid were going to WCW, you know, so it's it really the, the switch over of all the guys and everything. Yeah. So we went to Continental and, uh, and lo and behold, about six months into it, Dundee gets the book. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time with him in USA and I thought we'd kind of gotten everything behind us. I don't know if he thought I was a, you know, a Jerry Lawler wannabe or, you know, but for some reason he didn't like me. But as time went went on and, you know, man, the last couple of times, I, one time he even told me, he goes, man, I should have used you. He goes, man, I apologize. I said, you know what, man? It all turned out. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, said, I, I got to do more things than I ever dreamed I would do. You know, I'm still alive. You know, I started the exact same day as Billy Travis and Tracy Smothers. And Billy's been gone for well over 20 years. And uh, I think Tracy's been gone for five years now. Yeah. It's just amazing, man. And uh, it just, the, I, I'm not going to say I was an angel, but the business didn't suck me in and spit me out like it did those guys. Yeah. And uh, thank, you know, just thank God, you know, and I still, man, I have a regular job. I'll be, Head to Las Vegas tomorrow. I got a big convention. Nice. And I I travel uh, every week, just like I'm, I'm doing wrestling. I just get beat up mentally instead of physically now. And uh, so, <laughs> but uh, no. So we we did that, and and as uh, 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 Dundee put him and Adrian Street as the uh, babyface team. So 
about that time, Cornette called us about Smoky Mountain. And for some reason, we go up, and they were going to put us against uh, the heavenly bodies. And we worked them a couple times, maybe did their first Smoky Mountain show or whatever, the big, maybe, I think it was a pay-per-view. And all of a sudden, man, uh, Cornette comes and says, well, Johnny's told me that he doesn't want to do this full-time anymore. And he, he didn't even say anything to me. And, uh, and I, but I knew, I mean, sometimes, you know, it, you, you just know the end is near. And, uh, so, uh, we, we said, well, we'll do a few more deals. And he had said, Hey, I, I'd like to give you a push as a singles wrestler. So we're in a little town called Harlan, Kentucky. We're wrestling against them. And I did a cross body block off the second rope, the old Dundee move where you shoot them into the turnbuckle and jump up on the rope and come out with a flying body press or whatever you want to call it cross body. And man, my leg went behind me and Tom some way. And I broke my tibia and fibula in seven places, right? in the middle. Wow. Of and, oh uh, so that's probably 92, 93. And I never really, I went back and did uh TVs for WCW, did TVs for WWE, but I just always had that little fear in the back of my mind. I'd do anything before that. I mean, yeah. it, it didn't matter. I mean, I let Bam Bam Bigelow, when he first started, he wrestled me and Tracy around the loop. And he would do a deal where he'd shoot Tracy out and he'd pick me up over his head, throw me like Hulk Hogan through Rocky. And Tracy would catch me sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, all that stuff, I wasn't scared to do anything. But, man, that, that little bit of fear, and I don't know, I guess I've been in the business. I did it 84 to about 99 without doing any kind of other job. And then about 99, I said, man, I better I better parlay this into something else. And, uh, you know, so, uh, but, you know, I was fortunate, got to either wrestle or be on cards or ride with, you know, all of my childhood heroes, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Jerry Lawler was definitely my biggest hero ever. And, uh, man, I spent, you know, millions of miles, it seems like riding with him and playing football and softball. And I mean, you know, just, you know, it's one of those deals. I saw Elvis one time said, you know, every dream I ever dreamed came true. And, that's kind of with me, you know, people go, well, you know, all you did was get beat. And I said, well, I wouldn't say that, you know, I said, I, you know, I had, I had my moments and, uh, yeah. and again, you know, I think a job boy is, you know, if somebody wrestles, you know, only on TV and never does any house shows, you know, you know, and never has offensive move and just get squashed every match. Okay. But you know they quit, kind of quit doing that. I guess in the in the nineties, you know. I mean, they yeah. wanted they wanted more, you know, competitive matches. And you know, I wrestled uh, Terry Funk. It's on YouTube uh, when he was fixing to do. I think it was his last run against Flair. And man, we went out there, and man, that joke. We went all over the building, and man, I mean, it was it was like a real match. You know, I mean, he yeah. you know guys like that who. I mean, number one, it shows that that they respect you 
And I just have never understood, you know, why you want to go out there and just squash somebody. I mean, what have you done? You know, if you have a competitive back and forth match, you know, it's like, man, you know, that dude's pretty tough. That guy gave him a fight, but boy, he beat him in the end. But, you know, again, you know, everything's changed. Uh, the last time I went was probably three months ago. Our buddy, uh, Brian Armstrong, Road Dog, got me a handful of tickets. And I took a pump, bunch of people from my gym to the Cajun Dome. And they're coming back in March. So I guess I'm going to have to hit old, hit old Road Dog up again. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, it's, it's just so different. You know, you know you, you're you, – you're a lot younger than me, but when I grew up, man, people hated the heels. Hey, I mean, I'm talking about yeah. they love the baby faces. Well, when I went this night, I couldn't have told you who the heel or the baby face. Everybody got cheered. Yeah. I mean, everybody had their little catchphrases. Everybody had, you know, I mean, I don't know. But that place was packed. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah. you know, so they're doing something right, you know. So, uh, but I mean, it's just, you know, the people who never got to, to see, I don't even know if see, you can go back and watch tapes, you know, just like you said. But I mean, people who got to experience and live through a real angle with Jerry Lawler against Jackie Fargo or, Big Al Green against Jerry Jarrett. I mean, the Goliath against the little guy who everybody loved. And, you know, you get mad when he gets beat up and he never gives up. And, <clears throat> I mean, you know, it just seems like all that's gone, you know. But, but and you can go back and watch the tapes, but you, you, like you said, you can't really appreciate and experience it, especially like it being in the arenas, man. Oh like, my God. You know, my, my dad used to take me and my buddy down to the Lavender Coliseum in Columbus, you mm. know, the continental shows and the oh, yeah. Memphis shows. And I mean, being there in the crowd and seeing those people who were ready to hit that ring, Oh man! you know, when their guy was getting beat up, you know, and I, yeah. I mean, I was, I don't claim to be smart back then, but I mean, I understood enough to like, I don't want to get my butt in that ring. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, if he's doing that to Jerry Lawler, he'll sure mess me oh, up. You know? <laughs> uh, no. And you know, man, I'm talking about the big ones, you know, like when the free birds, you know, put the stuff in JYD's eyes, oh, yeah. you know, when, you know, Buddy and Dutch, you know, jumped on Jeff Jarrett. You know, I mean, I'm talking about the stuff that, I mean, that sold out everywhere it went. You know, I mean, man, it's just, you know, I don't know. And then, and then, you know, there was such an art, you know, I don't know. You're, you're young. You probably don't. I know you've heard of him, but Jackie Fargo, man, oh, yeah. that guy, man, you talking about the it factor. I mean, you know, some people, you know, you have people, well, Hogan, he can't really wrestle or all that. But, man, as much as he did it, and if you'll watch his matches, man, he he got it. I mean, you know, he, he, you know plus, plus he had the tailor-made body, you know, and, you know, they, they you know, they put him with, you know, you know, uh, all-American guy against the Iron Sheik. I mean, you know, carrying the Iranian flag, whatever flag. I mean, you know, that's just a, a tailor-made gimmick. You know, we had Tojo Yamamoto, you know, and I mean, you know, 
people just hated that dude, man. I mean, and you know, I don't, I don't know. I just, it's, it's just sad because there's some great fans, man. Everywhere I go, I always bring it up, and I can tell the minute I, I say it, if somebody likes it or they don't like it. If they like it, man, we, I'm in like Flynn. If they don't, I just go to something. I, I try to try to piggyback on the football deal. But I mean, man, you know, in Portland area, they had Don Owens. I mean, all these different guys that these different territories and the different heroes. I mean, you know, you know, we're from Memphis or you're kind of from that area. So, you know, Jerry Lawler from the continental, you had bullet Bob, Ron, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Robert Fuller, Jimmy golden. I mean, you know, you had the, the, in, in South Texas, you had Tully Blanchard, you know, and then over in Houston, you know, I guess junkyard dog and those guys, but, Von Erichs, I mean, everybody had that 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 strong baby face deal, and you know they could just feed them in these heels, you know. So it was it was, it was awesome. But again, you know, it's a it's a whole different ball game. But they're dealing with a lot more money. I mean, they got the TV contracts. Uh, one of the things I really enjoyed, and I, I don't know how I stumbled on it, but the, it was the angles that you were writing uh on the internet and i'm sitting there reading these and i'm thinking you know because you're gonna laugh what little bit i did do i can't remember half of it so <laughs> right. I, hey i called johnny rich and i said man do you remember this or this <laughs> or this and he's even worse than me and he's like i think so <laughs> and i think i even might have reached out to you and i'm like man yeah you did. really really happen or just but i mean man I, I tell you i wish you'd have been the booker and uh <laughs> if you if you'd have came up and took over the usa book maybe it'd still be open <laughs> yeah that was that was super cool yeah when you when you reached out and told me that i, I sent it to my friends on the message board i was like hey check this out and they were all like oh my gosh that's wild that somebody oh, that you're so writing about cool. actually read it and liked it you know oh so, I, I could i could i'd sit there as one of those deals like watching something on netflix i'll <laughs> watch the whole series i'm reading <laughs> you know so but now nah, i mean man and again i mean with your creative mind the way you did that and you got to be bought into it you can't just sit there and scribble something like that down you know, it's got to be in your blood. Uh, I'll tell you a, a, a funny story. I, I, I cover the West Coast now. And so I I have to, to fly into Los Angeles to drive up to Bakersfield. And I got back to Los Angeles real early. So I'm kind of walking around this big outdoor mall with like Dave and Buster's and all that. And I see W-O-W. And I'm thinking, what in the world could that be? And and it, and, I, and it says sweet one fourteen. I look. I'm at one ten. I said, yeah. "Well, I'm fixing to find out." So I walk <laughs> in, and I hear a guy named go Davy Rich, and I look, and it's Bambi. You know, the yeah. back in our day, she's been the general manager of that WOW for like twenty years. It's it's like the top rated syndicated show. Uh, I mean, it's, it's basically like the glow wrestling. It's yeah. all girls and uh, Nigel Schrod is, you know, he's he's got a big role in it. And uh, I mean, it, it's just amazing. But boy, I sat there 
they got like three rings most awesome rings I've ever seen set up in this big warehouse looking deal. And they've got 50 girls all under contract, every shape, size, gimmick you ever seen. And they're in there eight hours a day. And then they do TVs just like the other places. They just don't do live shows. And I mean, I, I, and man, I'm like sitting there thinking, you know, People probably never really took Bambi too seriously. I think I've been on a hundred cards with her against Peggy Lee Leather, and uh, and yeah. Bambi was always the baby face, and they were both trained by Moolah, you know, which you know I guess you know trained eighty percent of the girls back in that yeah. day. But man, just to to appreciate and to see, I mean, uh. She just had complete command of this deal. They had it laid out. Those girls listened to every, she was like Vince McMahon. And then the owner of that deal is that Jeannie Buss who owns the Lakers. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's what, uh, that's what I asked once when he told me that. I said, she's not coming by here today. (laughs) He goes, no. You know, she was like, you know, off, off court, off subject. She like posed in Playboy before. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, you know, dated old, I don't know if she married him, but Phil Jackson. So she's, she's quite the character herself. But I know that's kind of getting off the beaten path. But again, it just goes back to, Back in those days, the Jerry Lawlers, the Dutch Mantels, the Jerry Jarrett's, uh, the Dusty Rhodes, these guys who do the book and Eddie Gilbert, man, it was their whole life. That's all they did was think up angles and gimmicks and, you know, what, what, what they could do next. And, you know, it's just, it's just amazing, you know, the, the things that they came up with and, you know, I just don't understand. I, I, you know, I have no idea how they can come up with stuff now that hadn't been done at least to some sort of extent before, yeah. you know, so and they really don't. Most of it is if you really look hard at it, you're like, that's rooted in this and you can kind yeah. of pick it out. Yeah. And I mean, back in the day, they may do a, a, a gimmick or an angle here. I mean, like when Dundee went to mid South and book. <laughs> Everything he did was all the stuff that they did in Memphis. That's yep. why he had such a good run. And, you know, he carried the Rock and Roll Express. And, you know, I mean, he, he just, you know, took basically the Tennessee territory and went over there and did it and, you know, and had a had a great run with it, you know. So, but I don't know. It's, it's you know, man, it was something that I'll never, ever, you know, nothing will ever take its place as the, you know, the best part of my life, I still talk to Carl Fergie's and Jerry Calhoun's and Doug Gilbert, me and Doug are big Tennessee fans. So we <laughs> cry on each other's shoulders about how bad we are now. Uh, but uh, uh, Tommy some, uh, uh, Shane some, you know, just, you know, it's just relationships that, you know, you always have that's uh, it's like playing on a, a big football team and, you know, and man, you know, I, you know, just to see the guys and the reminisce and, you know, it just, it's a shame, man. I mean, you know, I'm 61 and man, I was a young punk. So most of those guys who were my heroes have either already passed or looking, you know, really bad or, you know, they just had, yeah. you know, had really, 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 you know, tough ways to go. I mean, 
it wasn't like we were taking you know real good care of our bodies and running up and down the roads and acting crazy. So it's, I mean, uh, you know, you you meet people in life that take one bad fall and they're on disability and they're never the same. I mean, and wrestlers are taking falls that are the um, equivalent of that numerous times every night of their life. The fact that any of you guys get around is a minor miracle, quite honestly. I, I've got nine fusions in my neck and two cages. So, but I still, I, man, at 4 a.m., I was working out. I, I'll tell you another little funny story. Me, and I, I'm sure you remember Reggie B. Fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tony Williams. Yeah. Tony was Brian Lawler's first partner. And The Rock rode together, you know, when Rock was working in Memphis. And yeah. I guess this is his second tryout. And so we rode the whole week together. And, you know, he, you know, I, I got along with him great because he had played football for University of Miami, right? And I, I told him that first day, I said, man, I want to work out with you. And he goes, yeah, man, meet me in the lobby in the morning. So I'm down there about 7 o'clock. I'm ready to roll. And he comes walking down the hall. And I said, you ready, man? He goes, I've already been. I said, well, what? He goes, I go at 4 a.m. every day. So the next three days, I went with him. But, man, I started doing that. Of course, I hadn't had the same results he's got. But uh, I even make my poor little daughter. My daughter's 16. She's a little volleyball player. But I make her go at 4 a.m. when I'm here. I'm probably home 150 days a year. You know, so. Uh, uh, but it's, uh, I don't know. It, it, you know, the, the relationships that I got, the friendships. You know, when I know I'm going to see people, I, uh, being from where you're from, I'm sure you heard of King Cobra before. I mean, Absolutely. I'll, I'll go back to Memphis for uh, for Christmas, and I'll try to see the King. I'll try to see Cobra. Uh, you know, I know I'll see Carl. Uh, um, you know, so it's just, you know, some of those guys. And, you know, I'll, I'll certainly think about Donnie Bass. You know, he's, he's, he's gone too. You know what I mean? So... It's just, uh, that's the sad part. Some of the really, really good guys, they just, you know, they, they go so early, you know I mean? But yeah, you know, that's, Don Bass that's, is a great guy. I, I oh, got man. into business like around 97 and did this like little local stuff there around like Mississippi and Alabama and Tennessee. And I worked there in Corinth with Donnie Bass, like every Friday night for two or three years. And man, just to sit in the corner and listen to Don Bass tell <laughs> stories was worth every, I mean, the guy was hilarious. You and know, you know what? So he, he, he could have booked the territory easily, too. Absolutely. I mean, he had the – and that's, you know, Ken Wayne. Man, Lawler or Jarrett would have never let Ken Wayne have the book. Ken Wayne, if you'll – again, I'm not even sure what year it was. Man, Ken Wayne did great, man. I mean, stop and look, about, look at it. You know, Buddy Wayne's his dad. He's yeah. been around the business since the day he was born, you know, I mean, so, I mean, he had a great mind too, you know, so, you know, again, it's these guys who are, you know, 100% vested and that's all they think about, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, they just, you know, idea after idea, and, you know, not, not everybody, you know, they all work, but, you know, if half of them do, you know, I, that's why I like the USA territory. When I grew up in Memphis, it just seemed like it was one or two angles on a card. The rest of it just matches. Man, USA had five matches in the opening match. You know, it was Hector Guerrero against, uh, or yeah, Hector against 
uh, Todd Morton, and man, they had that. You know, I mean, was, they had an angle. You know, yeah. they, every single match meant something. You know, whereas you know some other territories, you know, they just you know they had that one superstar, and you know they had the whole deal, and they were drawing, and you know. You could basically, if nobody showed up but them, everybody'd still be happy. Just fill in the other card, you know, other part of the card, you know. So, but now, nah, man, it was, uh, you know, it, you know, just like a little kid whose dream, you know, I found Aladdin's lamp, and my my dreams came true, and uh, and you know, still have a few buddies I can still, you know, talk to and talk about some of those stories and all that good stuff, and. Uh, you know, every now and then, you know, somebody will have a show that I'll be able to make. And uh, did you ever know Alvin Wallace over there in Athens? Or is that too? No, I I I know the name and and did a couple of shows over there back years ago. I was I was trained uh, by Sammy Hall. Oh yeah, I knew Sammy. Uh, he was around in Mid South back in the day, and oh yeah, uh, and I knew. So he took us over to work for Alvin a couple of times. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the commissioner gimmick. What, what, Thurman Dolan, I'm sure you do Thurman. Yes, sir. Yeah, Thurman always, always did me right. Me and Cobra, King Cobra, and Ira Reese. And if you really watch, the, uh, they had a guy come through. He's he was he looked great, but he just never caught on. They called him Snowman. Eddie Crawford was his Eddie name, Crawford. and we'd go over there, and man. Cobra, man, for some reason, Snowman, he didn't trust none of those DBIs, none of those guys. And they tried to give him the junkyard dog push, and it just never worked. And uh, But, man, Cobra would put the bridle on him, and he'd listen to Cobra. And, I mean, he looked great. I mean, so they'd have great matches. People would get into them. But, you know, I don't, you know again, just I guess it just wasn't meant to be for it to – we know they did that deal with him in the '90s, where uh, he come in and won the unified title off of off of Lawler. Yeah, and then he didn't want to drop it back to him, and yeah, they had, yeah. <laughs> he went and pawned it or some something, as the story goes. And that yeah, was a wild, wild. Yeah, affair. see, I don't understand. I mean, you know, even that Bret Hart Shawn Michaels deal. I mean, man, when you're leaving a territory. And a guy like Bret Hart, who grew up with his dad owning a territory, you know you got you can't take the belt with you. And I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than what I know, but I just I never understood all the screw job and all that. I mean, yeah. you know, it just and hey, they they might be working us all. <laughs> you know, it might I'm about half convinced that that's kind of the deal, but who yeah. will ever really know? But you know, speaking of that era, like. I have always said, and I'd be interested to see if you agree, that if Eddie Gilbert had lived, I think his legacy probably would have been bigger as a writer slash booker in the 90s TV era, the Attitude era, the big-time TV competitive era, whether he worked for Vince or he worked for WCW. The kind of creative ideas he had back in the day were kind of, a lot of them were kind of ahead of their time. I think he would have thrived in the 90s. Oh, way ahead. I think, and this again, this is just me. I, I've got a little bit more insight than your regular fan. You know, the McMahons loved Eddie Gilbert. He was up there as a kid working for Vince McMahon Sr., and he had that car wreck that broke his neck. And there is not a doubt in my mind that eventually 
Vince wouldn't have put him in some role and Vince would have went crazy because I don't know how, how much you do him, but I'm telling you, there was there there was zero difference between him and his mind and Jerry Lawler. I mean, they were both clones of each other. Of course, Lawler's a little bigger and you know, I mean, again, you know, I mean, but man, Eddie just, you know, he, he had his arms wrapped around it. Uh, he, he, he's always thinking of stuff. Uh, and again, with his size, I don't know how, you know, and I think he was smart enough, you know, due to that injury when he was young, I think he'd have been fine with just doing the writing, you know, maybe even, maybe even a manager. I don't even know now if they even have managers, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, a manager who really like a Dr. Ken Ramey or, you know, Jimmy Kent, you know, or Cornette, you know, yes. somebody who really meant something, not Paul Lee walking around out there. I mean, I, you know, I guess he just talks for Brock, you know, but I don't, I really don't know, you know, I can't even really, you know, remember the, the last manager, manager that they had. You know, I mean, it's so, been years. It's yeah. Been years. And I just, man, I thought that was a great part of the business. I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm ha having a senior moment, but man, you know, back in the day, man, you know, uh, seeing somebody, you know, Jimmy Hart had as much heat as anybody when I first started. You know, I mean, you know, that, that more people in those towns and stuff want to see him get killed. And, you know, nobody could ever really get their hands on him, you know. And uh, so I, I just, man, I think that's a part, you know, just another part of the business that, that's went awry. But, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I agree 100%. Eddie Gilbert would have been, uh, you know, one of a kind, you know. Uh, you know, to me, he already is. But, I mean, for what short little bit, but. Oh no, nah, he'd still, you know, he'd be, uh, he'd be, you know, right up there, you know, you know, you know, still doing something with somebody now, especially with AEW and oh, yeah. you know, a couple of other ones opening up. You know, he was kind of a little, you know, kind of a rebel or an outlaw. He'd probably, he'd probably, he'd probably be he would have went awry Vince McMahon at some point, I'm sure, and, oh, and yeah. went to AEW. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they yeah. need yeah. him. Lord knows yeah. they need him with. Yeah, the writing they have, but you know, um, I, I lived in Jacksonville when that started, and I was there three years, and I never went and saw. I saw a couple of the boys at the gym and stuff like that, but I always wanted to. You know, Jim Ross was always extremely nice to me. Uh, uh, you know, me and Marcus Dupree are big buddies, and they they were we we tried to do a little deal in Memphis. And, uh, try to get Marcus ready because Jim Ross would have signed Marcus in a heartbeat, you know. And uh, but man, Marcus just just couldn't handle the traveling. Man, wrestling's tough, man. And football, you got the off season. You play one game a week. Man, my first three years of wrestling, I wrestled over four hundred times a year. You know, people are like, wait, there's only three hundred sixty-five days. Well, you got you know. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. I mean, well, they're doing double shots, you know. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I used to have a book, you know, I'd keep these books. and But I, my 85, 86, 85 through 90, I was doing 400 shots a year. 
And I mean, you know, again, you know, and I'm sure some of those guys when, when WWE was doing three shows a day, Coco and some of those guys that were, you know, trying to get on it, you know, that was get, that were getting paid per show versus having a big contract, you know, I'm sure they were trying to get on every show they could. And uh, so, I mean, uh, you know, I, I got another little funny one. So I played, you know, football at Northwest and, and, and I actually had lived there the sixth, seventh and eighth grade. So I had a lot of friends there. So we go back and they, they, I wrestled like gorgeous George the third and, uh, and they put me over and everything, you know, people went crazy. But at the end, they had a pole battle rule. And all, everybody was in it except for Lawler. You know, he didn't, yeah. he didn't want to do it. So one of the batting twins is supposed to win it. Well, this is when the PYT, Coco and Norvell were there. And they had the long Jerry curls, you know. Well, yeah. they got that grease off their hair and put it up and down that pole. And that poor batting twin tried to get up there. They even had somebody try to hoist him. And finally, he just said, I can't do it. And Calhoun goes, whoever can get up that pole is going to win. I went up that pole like a daggum squirrel going up a tree, man. I grabbed that, and that, that's, that's one of the biggest moments. Those people, that, that, that place, a whole you know, 4,500 people, and they right. – you know, it, it was it was so awesome. I mean, so, but that's just some of the fun stuff that <laughs> happens in those. Uh, another one was Kamala. Kamala was actually from Sunatobia. You know, James Sugar Bear Harris was his name. Yeah. And man, I don't know if you ever got a chance to see him in a spot show versus like a house show. I didn't. Oh my God, he'd come out and he'd act like he got loose from his keeper, and he'd go out in the crowd though. You. People in wheelchairs who never supposed to walk would be running. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just, you know, just the stuff like that. Uh, you know, the Stomper was another one that everybody, Mongolian Stomper, everybody was scared of. And I mean, Joe LaDuke, I mean, man, these guys, you, you could really see how m much people were bought in when they would get out and, you know, you know, Confronts, you know, when they're yelling at them when they're in the rings, one thing, but when they get out, they yeah. shut way up. I mean, they <laughs> they get up, they come over to that rope or the rail or whatever hat might might be. I mean, you know, you know that Stomper was a big man. You know, Joe Laduke. You know, I mean, yeah. those guys were those guys were something. But we pr probably nobody listening probably ever remembers <laughs> any of those guys. They don't. They should look them up because I'm going to tell you what, that was the, the glory days, you know. And I've never seen like that WWE channel or whatever that's, you know, got the library and supposedly yeah. got everything. But, you know, man, that, that had to be unbelievable. And I always, people will tell me, hey, Mid-South on this channel or so-and-so's on this. And me and Shane Douglas and Steve Cox did a, uh, rookie of the year program, you know, in, in, uh, mid South and Gary Young came out wanting to be in it. And, you know, Jim Ross, he goes, I know you've been wrestling 10 years. <laughs> I mean, it was so funny, <laughs> you know? So, but it, I mean, it just, just the, the little stuff like that, all those little things, but 
it's just you know it, it was it was it was awesome man it was fun does it amaze you the connection that people have to wrestling like i don't know of many other things where i mean i guess sports in general but just like like it's kind of, and you kind of touched on it earlier but just how people will will light up when you mention like wrestling from back in the 80s and you know the riches and the armstrongs like people they've got stories and it always relates to their family like it's it's really like ingrained in people especially in the south yeah here you know they got the junkyard dog the freebird stories the ernie lad i mean man everybody's got something and i mean you know, Mid-South, oh, I ain't never watched it since Mid-South. I mean, it just is crazy. I met a guy, this guy was a big executive for Hurt Rentals. And, man, my company was having so much trouble getting in. And this guy, this guy's the president. He goes, excuse me, can I talk to you a second? And I said, yes, sir. He goes, you used to do the wrestling? And, man, his eyes lit up. He goes, that is the the biggest tie that me and my grandfather had, we would stay up till 1030 on Saturday night every week. Hey, I wasn't supposed to, but I'd stay at his house and he'd let me, we'd watch. And I'm thinking, man, this multi-millionaire guy is sitting here marking out to me, you know, <laughs> and I mean, and I thought it was a, Hey, we've been friends ever since, you know? And I mean, he, you know, it just, it, you know, people got, you know, they've got that, you know, I used to go with these people and I used to do this and I did this. And they all got that one story when they got to finally meet their hero or, or something like that. So, exactly. you know, again, you know, it's just, the, I don't know. It's that, it's that, I call it the old school magic. You know, it'll just never, never be, uh, Never be rekindled. I mean, you know, I, I, and I just don't even know how they'd go about it, you know, with internet and all that and people, you know, we do the same finish three weeks in a row in the Memphis territory. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you know, now if you did it in Memphis, by the time you got to Louisville the next night, everybody know, know what had happened, you know, so you'd, they'd be smartened up one way or the other, but. I do like to see, you know, like that deal. I hadn't seen that whole thing on Netflix with uh, Al Snow where, you know, he's training those guys. I know Danny Davis owned that at one time. Yeah, it's really good. I, yeah. I recommend it. It's really good. Yeah, and he's a good dude, man. I mean, he's one of the guys that, man, it's, you know, he just loves it. You know, I mean, it's in his heart. You know, he's not a, you know, I think, you know, people, you know, we always, the boys always joke. And I saw the other day when some guy did something and, you know, saw Jerry Lawler or something, you know, a boys were calling him a mark. Man, I think you got to be a mark. I mean, I think that's, yeah. you, know, you know, I would see these guys come in and, you know, that didn't, weren't marks and they would just never get it. They didn't know. They didn't know that emotional attachment you know and next thing i know they'd be gone you know i mean and i saw a bunch come and go you know in that memphis territory you know so many started there there's a as a place for you know careers to be born and careers to die 
You know, I mean, you know, if you didn't make it there, I guess you they figured you. To circle back to that real quick, uh, I, I'm I'm getting ready to start a podcast with my uh, my buddy Ray Russell about Memphis in '85, and so we've been yep. watching a lot of that. And so I watched that match that you were just talking about uh, a little while ago with you and Johnny Wilhoyt against Iron Mike Sharp and Eddie Gilbert. Yep. And, man, I had no idea that was your first match. Very I know Dave Brown mentioned time. it was your Memphis I, debut, but I never would have guessed that, man. Very That's first tremendous. time ever. And I think it was the same year. I think that was the summer or January, and I think uh, that's the year that I wrestled Eddie and nobody could make it to the, to the studio and he beats my brains out the first fall and the second fall he's doing it. And I catch him with a sunset flip and, ma- and beat him one, two, three. And he gets mad and him and Jimmy Hart throw me into the snow outside. <laughs> I remember, and, yeah. And nobody told me nothing about that. And the worst <laughs> thing about it is they shut that door. I'm out there. It had been 100 degrees under all them lights. And then there's 100 below out there in that snow. So here I am, and I'm, I'm out there in my wrestling tights. People, you know, going up and down the road. I'm knocking on the front door, and the lady's looking at me. I mean, I'm like, "Hey, idiot!" <laughs> so, it, I, but again, you know, Eddie, you know, just came up with all that stuff, and that's that. You know, they, had, you know, they, they usually did the whole week. You know, laying out that TV. You know. We, you know, we were together, Memphis on Monday, Louisville on Tuesday, Evansville on Wednesday. And, you know, of course, Lawler had say on everything. So, you know, I, I would hear a lot of the inside stuff and, you know, just to hear them going back. And sometimes Eddie would ride with us and hear to hear. And, you know, he'd be going, oh, well, let's do this and let's do that. And Lawler, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you could tell when something was really going to draw and, you know, I was there when Savage, you know, signed with WWE and they they did a loser lead town match. I mean, Savage didn't have to do that. You know, you talk about Bret Hart, you know, again, that won't drop a belt. Well, Savage could have, you know, just went to New York. Man, he worked out a two or three week deal and put Lawler over in every one of them towns. I mean, and tore the house down. You know, I mean, man, I, I got the utmost. I, out of my first 20 matches, about 15 of them were against him in these little spot shows. And, man, I tell you, I wish somehow, some way, you know, I would have got to where I was getting some sort of push, you know, or even five years later, you know, got to – he was so good. He was so athletic. I felt like, the, you know, my athleticism was right there with him. I don't – do you remember Jerry Oski? Yes. I, I think that was 85. I was always told, you might, you know, tell me I'm a Mark, but everybody always told me he was Andre's son. I've heard that. I haven't heard it from any reliable sources or, you know, any definitive things, but I, I've read that at different times. I'm trying to think who all was in the territory. We were all out one night, of course, you know, Tracy Smothers, uh, Pat, Tanaka, Paul Diamond, and we were all ribbing him about it, and he was just laughing. He was, man, that dude, he was chiseled out of stone, and they threw him right in there with Savage. And, man, you know, you know, again, you go back to that it factor. You know, Savage is one of those guys could have a match with a broom handle, you know. I mean, it just yeah. 
I would actually go out and watch. I mean, it was, you know, it just, uh, it was, you know, poetry in motion, man. And, uh, that, that dude, you know, again, you know, you just wonder, you know, uh, and I actually teamed up with him a few times in WWE, just getting squashed, you know, and I think, why on earth this dude looks like damn, you know, he looked like Magnum PA, his body. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking he's a you know, good looking dude, you know, and so I don't know. I mean, uh, and hey, who knows? Maybe Andre, you know, knew what the business would do to him and told the promoters, hey, do not give him a push or I'm not working for you. You know, you never know. Yeah, there's no telling. I, I would, you know, without being a mark, I would like to, you know, there's, you know, there's some things like that that I'd like to know, you know, you know, really, because I, I rode with him a lot and we were the same age, you know, we'd go out, you know, uh, Billy Travis, me, him, Tracy, uh, Pat Tanaka, Paul Diamond. There was a guy named JT Southern. Yeah. Uh, we were all, you know, uh, you know, crazy in that, that little Memphis era, you know, and uh, that, that would be, that'd be very interesting to know, you know, what happened. But now at 85, it was still big enough that it was still drawing. You know, you have an Austin Idol come in on a regular basis. Handsome Jimmy would still come back some. One of the funniest times ever. You, you said you're from Aberdeen. Uh, we went to, to Pontotoc, Mississippi. <laughs> I'm driving. Lawler's on the passenger side. Plowboy Frazier. <laughs> Austin Idol and Handsome Jimmy are in the back. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, I never have laughed. I would pay them to let me drive that car. I never laughed so hard in my life. You know, of course, you know, I don't have the biggest mouth and man, he was, he was wearing poor Frazier out and Frazier, <laughs> Frazier was so dumb. He couldn't come back with nothing. And every now and then handsome Jimmy would help him with one or Lawler would help him and that even make idle matter. You know, I mean, so, it was it was it was a classic, a classic. But I bet I bet Pontotoc, Mississippi, never saw so much uh, star power in one night. Goodness, no, definitely not. One one more quick question. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Oh no, this good. is just this is just more for me than anything else. Do you remember um, a show down in Columbus, Mississippi? It would have been around 96, 95, 96. I was in college at the time. It was like a radio DJ named MJ was doing this show at the Lavender Coliseum. Carl Fergie was on it. You did some of the shows. Uh, Steve Armstrong, I think Bob was in a couple of times. But I, th- I want to say they did an angle with like you and Steve Armstrong there. Right, right. Um, yeah, that, that was kind of after the territories had all split up. And we we – we we did Philadelphia, Mississippi. Do you remember Sam Lowe, who was the photographer, and they yes. did a deal with him. They called him Sam Bass Lowe. Yep. Me and Carl are in the ring, and I got him in the front face lock. And I mean, this is like seemed like it was a town called Ackerman, Mississippi. Yep. And I mean, where that is, it was packed. I mean, standing room only, and all of a sudden a fight breaks out. And uh, 
we, I cut Carl goes turn. You know, I got him in the front face lock. He goes turn me towards that. <laughs> so I kind of roll over and I said, "Some Mark's getting his ass beat." <laughs> and Carl goes, "That Mark is Sam, and somebody got a hold of Sam." And oh. man, I said, "Go get him!" So I let go of Carl. And he ran out there, but you know, you know, Sam was <laughs> not really smart. Well, he was smart in the business, but he didn't know no better. And yeah. I mean, man, he had heat down there, you know, just the old old school manager. One of them old rednecks done pulled him into the crowd. They <laughs> didn't golf to him. But no, I, I remember those shows. Columbus, Mississippi, man, that 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 place, oh I never was there and it wasn't good. I mean, that was a great wrestling town. That Lavender Coliseum. I, I love that place. Yeah. Got a lot of memories there. I uh, I was going to college up in Boonville at the time at Northeast, and was coming back once a month to see those shows down in Columbus. Because to me, it was it was a novelty to see you know the riches feuding with the Armstrongs, you know, because you oh, guys yeah. had always been baby faces, and they were always baby faces. Yeah, and but that was around the time you know uh, Bob was Bob was working heel in Memphis because they had that Smoky Mountain versus USWA yeah. angle, and so Bob was a heel, which that was fun to see. Oh, it hey. was a heel, and Brian was coming in as a heel, and Tracy and everybody, and uh, and so they kind of played off that down there in Columbus against y'all, and uh, that was some well, fun let me stuff. let me tell you something. I mean, I you know Brad Armstrong, man, I you know he's one of the he he I don't I don't know how to word it, but man, he was one of the best ever. He really he people the boys loved him. He just never – they never put him on the right gimmick or in the right angle. I mean, man, in the back, in the dressing room, he's the funniest dude ever. I mean, everybody would listen when he talked. I mean, he was awesome. Everybody loved him, and he could out-wrestle anybody. And I don't know why, but Bullet is a man's man. I mean, that dude, you know, not only for him creating Davey Rich and – you know, and I got to, you know, thank Brad for that too. And, you know, that me, Scott Armstrong, and Johnny were the original party boys. And uh, uh, Scott broke his leg. And uh, so he had to take so much time off that, you know, with me and Johnny just, you know, pressed on just as a regular tag team. But, I mean, man, people don't understand. And it's so hard to get it from those tapes, but as far as respect in the dressing room and being able to, you know, uh, to me, the best wrestlers are your Jerry Lawlers, your Shawn Michaels, your Steve, all the guys who can be a heel, go on a commercial break, come back, be a baby face and make everybody love them again. Just, just by an interview or something. I mean, can work heel, can work baby face. I mean, a great baby face is good or a great heel is good, but if you can't do both, and uh, man, Bullet, man, when he did finally turn heel, they did it so good, you know, that, I mean, it meant something. And that's the deal. You know, some guys just went back and forth so many times that, you know, you're like, you know, it just it, it got to where, you know, you couldn't even really keep up with it. You know, but man, those guys, you know, like Idol was kind of one of those guys that flipped. Yeah, just you just never knew, you know. But he, you know, he had that he had that it factor. Austin Idol, oh, yeah. man, 
he just, I don't know. I don't know if he wanted too much money, but I picked him up from the Memphis airport, carried him to the Coliseum, him get mad at Lawler and get his stuff and leave. And not, not wrestle, not do nothing. You know, I'm thinking, why would you get on a plane and fly all the way to Memphis? And, I mean, I know he had to get a hotel and all that and yeah. then go back. You know, I mean, but, you know, man, it's just so dumb. And that by then, it got to where there was only five or six territories left then. It wasn't yeah. like there was 40 territories and, you know, you could go anywhere. That's just, you know, that's just some of the stuff. And, I mean, you know, if you ask him now, you know, uh, you know, I, I'd be interested to see what he'd say. You know, but, man, me and him worked out together. We traveled together. I, I love Austin Idol. I thought he was, you know, you know, to – be Iron Mike McCord and have an accident and transform his whole character and come back and be even bigger and better than he ever was. I mean, again, that's that, that it factor coming out. And there's a handful of them that, that has it. And, you know, then some guys were lucky to get put against those guys. And, you know, naturally those guys are going to make them look, you know, that, that there's a good angle written up and, you know, they did their part. You know, people go, oh, man, that guy could work. <laughs> you know, and yeah. all he's doing is just holding on, you know. So, but, you know, it's being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, I mean, I, I thought I thought Buddy Landell, I never, never saw anybody with as much charisma as him. I just wonder what would have happened, you know, if, if you know, if he would have ever, you know, not done anything goofy and, and yeah. gotten the push that he deserved, you know. And hey, you know, what if Tommy would have, you know, stayed on the right path and you know, eventually, you know, not just had a couple day world champion run? Maybe what if he had, a, you know, you know, battled Flair in the later years and gone back and forth because he was so over. I don't, I just can't imagine that they couldn't have kept him over. Maybe, you know, and maybe he did his run. You know, who he, knows? Seemed, he seemed like to me like he was on a trajectory to be right there with Dusty, to be this baby face that you could send around to all the different territories because he had that exposure from Superstation and, and could have been this overall across. I, I still really don't know exactly where things went wrong with Tommy, but yeah. he definitely had more potential than what Yeah, he I just, you know, again, you know, who knows? You know, I mean, some of the stories are tragic, you know, and, you know, some of the guys aren't with us anymore. I mean, you know, man, I've never understood why, you know, Brian Lawler didn't get more of a push. Yes. I mean, man, he, you know, I know he wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but hell, he looked good. I mean, he was a muscled up dude. and you Super know he, talented, and he's one like oh. you were talking about that he could go from face to heel and be completely believable. In a blink of an eye. One promo, he could turn three times and you'd believe it from beginning to end. <laughs> believe know? it with, with every, fiber, <laughs> every fiber of your body. Because you he was kind of like that as a person, you know. You, oh, exactly. you can love Brian, hate Brian, all in the course of a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all in the ride down the gas station. <laughs> Want to kill him and hug him, all the things. <laughs> you know, but now, I mean, you know, just, just guys that, you know, I mean, you know, you know, the acorn don't fall far from the tree, you know. To me, you know, his dad's the greatest ever, you know. Not not a big physical specimen, but, man, I mean, you know, they had matches from everybody against Dick the Bruiser to Andre to Hogan, and every one of them are realistic, you know. I mean, uh, Jack Briscoe, Jerry Briscoe, Terry Funk, I mean, 
The list Gosh, goes I mean, on. You can't name a substantial star in wrestling that Jerry Lawler did not get in the ring. Not from the 70s to the 90s. I mean, exactly. you know, some of these older, some of the John Cena's and some of those guys, yeah. maybe. But let me tell you, man, I mean, back in those glory days at the Mid-South Coliseum, when he came back from that broken leg against Dream Machine, man. I tell you what, man, you've never seen anything like it. That, that joker came out. They had the smoke and lifted him up out of the platform. Man, you, that, that was deafening. I mean, he that dude was over, man. He That's was something over. people don't understand if they're not from Memphis and weren't there is how over Jerry Lawler was in Memphis. And we're not talking about a superhuman like Hulk Hogan type guy. I mean, Jerry Lawler looked like your dad. But yeah, six, six foot 220, him. you know. So, I, hey, man, it's that talent. It's that gift of gab, the bent, that it factor. And, that man, he, he, he could work, man. I mean, he oh, still, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I, you know, since he had the stroke, you know, he can't do anything. But, I mean, up till a year ago, I mean, man, he could go in these little towns and it'd be all these, you know, muscled up, great looking guys. And, you know, he'd go out there with, you know, one of the local guys and tear the house down. Nobody could follow it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, mean, I was talking to one of my, you know, really, really smart marquee type friends, you know, that's all about match ratings and all this kind of stuff. And he was saying how, I don't understand how Lawler became to be such a star. And I was like, tell me, tell me a bad Jerry Lawler match. Tell me the worst Jerry Lawler match you ever saw. And he couldn't yeah. name one. You just won. I mean, I don't <laughs> care who was against. I mean, he could wrestle Jimmy Hart and it'd be good. You know what I mean? You know, you Andy Kaufman, you know, like one of his biggest views yeah, was against Kaufman. a skinny comedian and you know, it worked. Who who else could do that segment on David Letterman and have it be part of TV history? Yeah. Name me one one of the other boys who could carry that off. I mean, man, he just, you know, he had it. He, you know, he he's, you know, Got that gift to gab. He knows what to say, when to say it. And I mean, that's that, that's what made that whole era the greatest ever. And I mean, you know, some people grew up, you know, down here. And, you know, they got the Bob Roots and the JYDs and the Ernie Lads and, you know, Tony Atlases. And, man, all those guys were great. But, man, I'd put, I'd put Memphis wrestling against any of them. You know, but this is where they grew up. This is what they know. And, I mean, man, I love to hear them talk about it. You know. The thing that I don't think a lot of people I don't think really understand that just from a fan perspective, you know, is like Hulk Hogan could come to Madison Square Garden once a month and, you know, and pack it out and go to all these different places once a month. But Memphis wrestling was every Monday night you were packing that Coliseum to see basically Jerry Lawler and who he was going to wrestle that Monday. I mean, yes, there were other guys, from, you know, the Fabs and yeah, from plenty of others. Seventy-two, man. Yes, seventy-two. I mean, you know, every Monday night and going around the territory. I mean, it was six, seven days a week, and I mean, you know. I just, again, it just, it just blows me away. I mean, you go, like you said, that Madison Square Garden, and it may not even be once a month. It may even be once, you know, every yeah, three every months. Two or three, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, the big, big, big one. And, you know, once they got hot, you know, the, the, the less they went there, the better they did, you know. I mean, yeah. that way they didn't, you know, make the people tired of it, you know. So, I don't when know, When you look man. at the size of New York City – 
compared yeah. to how many people they were drawing. When you look at the size of Memphis compared to how many people they were drawing, and yeah, exactly right. that on a weekly basis. Yep. Yep. That's, so. You know, I don't think it'll ever be anything will ever come close to it again. There's no, and you know, you know, you wonder, and I don't know, maybe they got the next star, but that night I went. You know, uh, I think it's Rikishi's sons. Yeah. Uh, we're like the tag team. And you know what? I, I'm an old school guy. You know, take what I say <laughs> with a grain. Man, those, I don't think those guys would have made it in Memphis. I saw nothing that would, that made me think, man, they'd have been great back then. You yeah. know, I mean, uh, uh, they had one guy, and I can't even think of who it was. Everybody looked the same, though, man. I mean, everybody had little catchphrases. Of course, all the people knew them, so you know that's a good thing. Yeah, you know. So I don't know. It's you know again, I'm an old fart, and you know I, I I'm never gonna no matter what they did, I'd say, oh, that's still in those school. You know, they, they could they could draw uh, I mean, the whole universe watching the same show and break all the TVs that so many people watching the same thing. And I'd say, oh, it wasn't as good as Lance Russell. Yeah, okay. I, I finally just accepted I've I've become that guy. I spend my time watching old wrestling and doing podcasts about old wrestling. And everybody can have their new wrestling. They can like it. Yeah. I'm not going to spend time arguing with people or putting them down because yeah. oh no, everybody. Hey, when I was loving do. this stuff in the '80s, there was some old guy like man, it ain't like it was back in the '50s, you know. Oh, <laughs> so I, know, I mean, I know, it's yeah. just that circle of life, you know. Yeah. It is yeah, what they, it is. <laughs> they had an Ellis Auditorium before the Coliseum. And- I had people say, oh, I'd never go to no Coliseum. Ellis Auditorium is where it happens. I'm like, exactly. Ellis Auditorium. <laughs> I'm like, holy mother. So, well, Davey, it's been great talking to you, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate hey, you doing another, this. A guy that really has a bunch of those tapes, and you probably buddies with him. Do you know Bo James? I do. I do. Yeah, Bo's the best, man. Yeah. yeah, Bo's got everything. You know, I kept, I didn't keep anything. I got like three T-shirts and a couple of pictures. People always wanting stuff. And I didn't do, you know, even in Mid-South, you know, I wrestled Eddie one time. And, uh, man, somebody sent it to me. But, you know, it's just so hard to keep that stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, so, I, I man, there's so much I'd like to see. And if you ever do dig up any of that Puerto Rico, I'd definitely be interested in that. Well, I'm on a mission now, so I'm going to do my there best to go. find something. Best believe if I find it, uh, it's going to go on the channel, and I will definitely Those Hollywood send you a link. Dolls, the Hollywood Dolls were down there the same time I was there. Jason was there. Um, oh, Hamilton. I'm kind of thinking. There's a black guy. I can't think Larry? of it. Larry Hamilton. You know, we had a great crew, man. I enjoyed it, uh, but, man, I just, I don't know. I just woke up one day, and I was ready to go home. <laughs> I hear you. So, I've, heard well, some, I've heard some good stories, but I've heard some horror stories well. This as well. is right after, this, you know, this is after Eddie, and this is after Brody, and yeah. so I was about half nervous the whole time, so, you know. They can do something to Bruiser Brody. They can really, really take care of me. Exactly, <laughs> and and obviously covered up, and nobody go to jail oh, for it. No, and... not even get in trouble. And that same guy, he, he got on to me about a week before I left. You know, I was wrestling this big old fat guy, so I was making fun of him. Boy, I come back, and that dude backed me up. I mean, he's a small guy. He yeah, wasn't yeah. a big dude, but man, he was fired up. And hell, I couldn't even understand him. You know, and. uh 
And then somebody goes, no comedy, man. Don't do it. This isn't Memphis. And I'm like, oh, I, I, okay. <laughs> There'll be no more comedy. <laughs> you know, Fair but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just tell me the rules, please. But, so, uh, yeah, hopefully I can reach out. I'd like, I'd like to get uh, Johnny on here. and uh, Yeah, no, Johnny, Shane, Paul Fergie, you know, the, the, the people I've, I've dropped their names. You know, I think I, I shot you my number. Anytime you want to call me and get any of their numbers, and I'll call before you and uh, make sure they know you're calling. I mean, all those guys have got more stories, and, you know, I don't know how many of them you can put on there, you know. <laughs> But they're all great. All you know, I mean, it's just you know, it's so again, so good to talk about the old days. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for anytime, your time, man. And, uh, and, uh, 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 anytime you need anything, give me a yell. Awesome. Keep in touch, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, take care, buddy. See you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. The podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics, to superstar interviews, to action figure expertise. This team does it all, and all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Davey Rich, David Haskins, what a great guy, and uh, you know he's a guy that I, I've pretty much you know I followed his whole career. I remember him starting out in Memphis, and uh, you know saw him in Continental, Smoky Mountain, all the way down the line, WCW, those WWF matches. So again, uh, if you want to uh, see a lot of the matches that we talked about here they're going to be going up on the channel over the course of the next week or two so keep an eye out over there and remember it's adrian street month here on retro wrestling network we're going to be uh featuring a, a ton of great adrian street content here we're going to be doing a couple of recall episodes where we call some of his matches. not really call the matches we're not doing commentary we're just it's basically a podcast over a video it's basically you know me and uh, either broadcast Bob Anderson or Shane Knowles or one of my buddies uh, is going back, watching things and discussing, you know, the match and the people involved in the matches. So uh, we got two for Adrian Street coming out this month. We got Butch Reed coming up soon. Uh, Tommy Rich, a lot of great stuff. So thank you all for checking out this interview. Uh, again, I really appreciate Davey giving us the time and uh, what a pleasure to talk to him and uh, get ready for the next episode of Retro Wrestling Podcast coming real soon. And remember, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the channel. We've got a lot of good stuff going on over here and we appreciate you being a part of it.